Hey guys, it's Justin Hill here. Strap on your high heels and put on your pads because we're going drag racing. Ah, crap. She's bottomed out, guys. Play the music. Welcome to Stand Original RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under the Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Hill, and this is the podcast where we recap every episode of the biggest reality show in the world, the Stand Original series RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Now, if you're new around here, Drag Race is an elimination-style reality show where drag queens compete to win a cash prize and be part of Drag Race royalty. Each week on this podcast, we'll not only recap the show, but also talk to you about Easter eggs you may have missed, plus catch up with the eliminated queen, and I'm giving you a spoiler warning now. If you don't want to know who it is, block your ears, please. Coming up, I will be catching up with our fab original Indigenous Barbie doll, Jojo Zaho. Okay, let's get into it. The show begins and we find out that Up For Grabs is a cash prize of $30,000 and a year's supply of Revolution Beauty Cosmetics. In the iconic opener, we're introduced to our judges, Rue's bestie Michelle Visage and comedian Reese Nicholson. Now you can see that Rue is holding an Australian flag in one hand and the New Zealand flag in the other. I love it. The first queen to sashay into the workroom is Art Simone from Melbourne. Now she's literally wearing her brand. Her dress is splattered with paint, her hair is is multicolored and even her necklace is dripping paint. As the first queen to walk onto the workroom on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, Art joins other queens like Chanel, who was the first queen to walk onto the first episode of Drag Race ever, Delta Work from season three, Willem from season four, Detox, Miss Fame, and more. Up next is Ms. Maxie Shield. Now, Maxie Shield, who is the tradie of the season, as the girls say, she's all boobs and all bum and is an icon on Oxford Street in Sydney. Now, if you've never been, Oxford Street is like the gay epicentre of all things drag. Now, it is spreading out a little bit these days, but aren't we all? Up next is Jojo Zaho. Now, she's giving us a see-through fantasy with her outfit. Now, I'm not going to talk much about this because Jojo is coming up in the podcast and she has all the tea on her entry outfit, so keep listening for that. Okay, Electra Shock. Electra enters the workroom with her love heart pasties and what the girls point out is a slightly thirsty wig. And that's okay. We're all on a journey. We're all learning here. Scarlett Adams sachets in next. Now, it's all belts and straps for days when it comes to Scarlett Adams. She's our fashion queen. And when I caught up with her at the world premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, she said that she was more than happy to take on that title. You were instantly, I kind of like earmarked as like the fashion queen. And I guess your entrance look told people a lot about who you are. Is that who you are or is there many layers to you? Yeah, well, look, the one thing we could prepare for for the show was what runways we were going to do. So like I want to put crap load of money and a crap load of time into these runways and show people that like I really love fashion and yes. I know my references yes. and I'm like worldly when it comes to like fashion and the history of fashion. Yes. Um, so to be called a fashion queen is like an absolute honour. Welcome the one and only Coco Jumbo. Now this is classic Coco. She's got the curves, she's got the swerves and a smile that is as bright as her future. I love it. In tiptoes, Ketamine. Now Ketamine is literally rainbow bright in real life. Do you guys remember that? And she has a big Priscilla queen of the desert foam hair, that cute little dress. It's a colour explosion. Etc, etc. Scurries into the workroom. Now, etc is a self-proclaimed 
glamour bug. So she came as one. Why not? <laughs> Anita Wiglet enters and gives us mature woman drag, but with a bit of a naughty side. She's got a whip and she's not afraid to use it. Now, here at this point is when we get this great moment where we discover that Kita and Anita are business owners and they have a bar together and... A lecturer is their employee. Who could have seen that coming? Speaking of being at work, Karen from finance arrives in the workroom. Now, this outfit from Karen is iconic. She explained at the premiere last night that this look is inspired by Jane Fonda's outfit in the film 9 to 5 with just a sprinkle of her co-star and Karen's other favourite icon, Dolly Parton. Now, she's selling me the look. I am picking up what she's putting down. I literally want to take her my timesheet and get it signed off so that I can get paid. In our first ever mini challenge on Drag Race Down Under, Rue asks the girls to star in her new blockbuster Hollywood feature inspired by Thor and it just so happens that the director of that film, Taika Waititi, is our guest star on the show this week. We see the girls serve up their best attempt at running lines with a lith. It's actually really hard. Taika announces at the end of the challenge that Elektra is the winner and I'm not surprised because that scream has dogs running for miles. Our maxi challenge this week is a double outfit feature. Rue wants to see two looks, one born naked and the other no place like home. Scarlett has every drag queen's worst nightmare and her silicon bodysuit rips before we even get into it, meaning that she has to stitch it back together. Onto the main stage, Rue looks like a vision sashaying down that runway, just drinking in all of the eyes across the world looking at this outfit. We get a cute little surprise that our guest judge is, in fact, RuPaul. So not only are we getting double the outfits on the main stage, we're also getting double the RuPaul as well. Okay, first up is Scarlett Adams. Now, despite the booty blowout, she managed to stitch her outfit back together and hide it quite well. Her hometown look was fun, camp and still chic. Scarlett was, of course, the black swan, not the Natalie Portman kind, but more the regional symbol of Perth, Western Australia kind. That's where Scarlett hails from. Okay, on to Maxie Shield. Now, Maxie's nude look, she says she's channeling Madonna. She's got a see-through trench coat on. For her hometown look, Maxie is from a town called Ballina, and they're famous for having the big prawn. You literally can go up to it and have a photo with it. We love big things in Australia. We've got the big apple, a big ant, the big avocado, the big crab, the big crocodile. The list goes on. Electra now points to Electra for recreating a rue look, but I'm not sure that it got the reaction that she was hoping for. When it comes to her hometown look, there are two themes here. So we've got Aotearoa, which is the Maori name for New Zealand, and it translates to the land of the long white cloud and also the land of the 100 lovers. Now, I love this look, but I kind of agreed with the judges. I know more is more when it comes to drag, but I feel like Electra should have chosen one theme and maybe gone with it. So fully immerse yourself in the cloud look and have a dress that's made of beautiful fluffy cotton clouds or go with the lovers theme and show your pride colors and an explosion of hearts. Hmm. Coco Jumbo. Now for her nude look, she serves us over-exaggerated eyes, lips and hoops for her hometown look. Very much like Maxie, she's from a place called Coffs Harbour and it's famous for the literal big banana. It's 50 feet long. You can go and see it. Also have your photo taken in front of it, hence her gorilla costume. Very clever and also very well-made costume as well. Etc. Etc. is in the parliamentary triangle. Uh, now Etc. goes by they, them pronouns and use this moment to highlight their relationship with their gender. Now, 
know, I love this look. I love the message behind it. I'm certain that it rang true for a lot of non-binary people around the world. As for their hometown look, etc., mentioned um, the parliamentary triangle. Now that's actually a thing. It's it's a location in Canberra, Australia's capital city, where etc. is from, and it's formed by Commonwealth Kings and Constitution Avenues. Buildings within the triangle have actually been located and designed intentionally for visual effect, and those of national significance are popular tourist attractions. We were also getting some politician vibes from this look as well. Lots of grey, kind of like I'm thinking older people in Parliament. I don't know, maybe. Jojo Zaho was up next now. Jojo gave us fab original warrior queen for her nude look and a Mary Antoinette Indigenous-inspired hometown look. And keep listening because I'll be chatting to Jojo more about her looks and some details that you may have missed on this incredible outfit. Karen from Finance. Karen served us up perfect glitter bodysuit realness for her born naked look. She whipped off that bikini, flashed us her nips and even gave us a little merkin of yellow fluff. For her hometown look, now this is a scene that many Australians are familiar with. If you're listening from another country and didn't quite get the reference, basically every year we all wait to see who gets the messiest at the Melbourne Cup, which is a horse race hosted in Karen's hometown. And the pictures are so cringeworthy. They always include people with their shoes off, stumbling home after one too many bevies. Okay, Anita Wiglet is up next. Now, Anita goes back to the OG woman Eve with her born naked, complete with tasty yet dangerous apple. Her hometown look is that of a fluffy sheep, something very common in New Zealand, and Aussies do like to poke fun at Kiwis with their relationships with the sheep, something that I am not going to do because I love New Zealand. Kinamine serves us up some nude balls that slap all around the place up and down the runway. She was tucked, but, I mean, the balls are... They're on the outfit. No, you get what I mean. Then she gives us a fancy lady costume version of the New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks. She's channeling a little bit of Bianca Del Rio vibes with this silhouette, I thought. And now we've got Art Simone. Now that nude look was amazing. Very on brand for her. You know it's an incredible costume when you can't see where the makeup ends and the costume starts. Now let's chat about her hometown look. The first reveal of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. In fact, let's rewind it and discuss it some more. Rewind. Now, to explain this a little further, for those tuning in outside of Australia, it's common that people in Melbourne love to wear black and they look great in it. So Art was giving us that sleek, sophisticated all-black ensemble, but then, bam, she's like a bright graffiti explosion. Now, this is inspired by a place called Hosier Lane, and it's just full of graffiti and street art. It's incredible. And also, you may have spotted a name or a tag on Art's hat, and I believe that is the artist who created the artwork. Right, so as the girls relax backstage, the judges talk through the strengths and weaknesses of our Down Under Queens, bringing them back on stage to award Karen from Finance the winner of the challenge and picking herself up a tidy $3,000. And sadly, Electra and Jojo are our bottom two queens. Now, mostly due to confusion around Electra's outfit and the lack of cohesiveness and polish from Jojo. This lip sync is epic. Electra is giving us splits. She's giving us kicks, jumps and bumps. And meanwhile, Jojo is serving mouth choreography Hunty, all to the iconic BG song Tragedy. So why this song? Well, the three brothers, Barry, Robin and Maurice, who make up the band, grew up in Queensland, Australia. We then go to Mama Roo for the verdict and Jojo Zaho is sent home. Now, sadly, someone does have to go home first and this was just not Jojo's time. And today we get to welcome our very first eliminated queen, the one, the only, the fab original Jojo Zaho. Welcome to Stan Original RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under the Podcast. 
Hi, thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Do you know what it means to see for so many Australians and so many people around the world to see someone like you on mainstream TV? do Do you understand how your name will be forever in the history books as someone who took a very big step forward for a lot of people? Uh, I don't, I definitely don't think that it's, it's fully hit me just yet. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of like, like looking at it and, and watching the episode. I'm just like, yeah, no, I did that. I'm like, okay, wow. Um, I'm happy that I got to have the opportunity to do that. And, yeah. you know, and that was, that was the costume that I was most looking forward to showing. Okay, so let's talk about that incredible costume. And a lot of people may not realise, but um, that costume actually included the Indigenous Australian flag colours, which are very important. Um, do you want to do you want to talk us through, like, uh, you know, that costume and for a lot of people why it's important for you? Because I know with a lot of your drag, you incorporate those important colours into a lot of what you do. So do you want to talk us through, like, your, your entrance look and why it is so important for you to represent those colours? <laughs> For me, it's, it's, it's like I could wear just a simple flag dress, but for me, it's, it's about the way I incorporate it into my drag because I very much incorporate my culture into my drag. So I like to add those colours in, in a very creative and subtle way. And I like, to, I like to figure out how I can add them next, you know, whether it's the, the hair that represents the red and the costume, the black or the yellow. Um, it's always fun for me trying to incorporate it because it's such a, a huge part of me. And, yeah. and that's the thing, like, you know, I'm uh, indigenous and I'm a drag queen and I like to blend the two of those worlds together as much as I can to the best yeah. of my ability. And there's probably another colour that you may not have realised, but the and you may have, the transparency of your outfit also too shows that you're opening yourself up and you're like letting people see through to who you are. Exactly, and and I'm so glad you got that. Yes. That was the genuine behind that. So the idea of that was because my my drag aesthetic is it, it was very much a housewife for a while, yeah. um, and before that it was very it was very hoey. Yeah. Um, now you're just a hoey so, housewife. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I wanted to show, I wanted to give like a housewife silhouette, but let people see underneath the facade of that that you know. Deep down, I'm still a bit of a hot. Yeah, aren't we all? Now, am I right in saying that um, the hair that you were wearing on your entrance look was actually made by your drag mother, Filma Box? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Shout we out made to it Filma. Together. Yes, love you, Mama. <laughs> and you guys made it together? Yeah, so we made it together. I flew down to Melbourne for about a week um, in preparation. You know, we did some stuff and we worked on that together. And, and it was so much fun and fascinating to watch that process happen because I've never actually seen, had the opportunity to watch yeah. film make me. Um, so it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun to watch her kind of see her, how she does it and how she sculpts it. It's, it's, it's art. So Absolutely. good. With your um, your drag, obviously something that we've seen you do a lot is the shadowing that you do on your skin. Was that something that you were just kind of like, this is like something I'd love to do? Is there more of a meaning behind it? Because it's very kind of like comic book character kind of look that you have. I, and I love it. It looks amazing. Yeah. So um, that came out of quarantine. I was I was painting my face and, and just kind of playing around and, and the idea was to try something different every time. And then I, I started that because uh, I got uh, white makeup on my cheek. And <laughs> so my, it was completely by accident. 
there was no way I could get it off. I'm like, okay, how can I work this? And it reminded me of a, a photo of Art Simone where she's uh, dressed in like fairy garden outfits mm-hmm. and she's got those white. Um, so I kind of took inspiration from from art with that. And then over time, I've just kind of played with it each time and, and changed it and gotten it to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And the idea is look like a, a an Indigenous Barbie doll, basically. Oh, I love that. You are our Indigenous yeah. Barbie doll. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so that, that was a little bit inspired by art. Are there <coughs> other drag queens internationally that inspire your your drag who you've always – you know, looked up to because you're a spring chicken. You're just a baby. You're only 30 years old. Yes. And, you know, I, I still call myself kind of like a, a baby drag queen because I, I guess you never really get out of it. You're always learning. You're always growing. Your drag is always changing. And, you know, um, one queen that I kind of gravitate towards to a lot with my, with my, um, I'm so I sorry. I have to just interrupt you. <laughs> the naked man behind you just made me lol. <laughs> <laughs> That's my partner. Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> morning. <laughs> Sorry, um, keep going. That's <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so one of the queens that I, I pull kind of like a strength from is, is definitely going to have to be Bianca Del Rio. Just yes. her attitude of giving absolutely no, can I swear? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> giving zero f- about what anyone says. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that I, I hold on to because at the end of the day, my drag, you know, although it, it is for the world, it's mostly for me. Yeah. And as long as I like what I'm doing and I'm happy with how I look and, yeah. and I'm comfortable I'm putting out there, like that's all that matters to me. Yeah, so it should be. It should be for you first and foremost. And the fact that there are a lot of, you know, young kids out there, like I said to you, they're going to see you and just be like, I want to be just like Jojo Zaho. Like maybe without the ho bit, but like they're going to, they want to be yeah. just, <laughs> just like you. Um, yeah. talk, talk me through that first day when you're all sitting there and all of a sudden you hear, g'day, g'day, g'day. It just gave me cold shivers when I heard it. Talk me through how you were feeling. Absolutely. Like going through my head, I was like, is this real life? Is this happening? Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm watching the entire thing through a VR headset. Yeah. Like, it was one of those so surreal moments where it's just like, holy f- that's RuPaul. Yeah. She walked in and like, she's in front of me. I mean, I'm not going to touch her because I'm not looking to get slapped, but I could. <laughs> You're like, she's so close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I uh, absolutely gorgeous and statuette it's just oh beautiful absolutely beautiful um speaking about the workroom and your time on the show is there someone i guess this is a double-edged question which which queen did you uh most kiki with and which queen do you wish you got to know better uh so uh, the two queens that I mostly kicked with, uh, kind of like off camera, you don't really get to see it in the episode, but I kicked with Art a lot. Yeah. Um, she was very supportive. Uh, the way Coco she Jumbo. speaks is so difficult to not do. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I'm speaking like this, you know. <laughs> I'm like, ah, stop oh, I'm it. Great. <laughs> I'm great. Oh, I'm great. I'm great. You know, I catch myself all the time. <laughs> uh, and Coco so as well. Yeah, so Coco. Uh, Funnily enough, Coco was the first drag queen I ever seen, like in real life. Really? Um, this was like uh, five or six years ago. Um, I wasn't even out yet. Uh, I came down to Sydney just for a weekend, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go to a gay club," and just like, "Why not?" 
Um, and then I seen Coco there. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. She's tall. And we're trying to get a selfie. And we have to keep moving to get the light. Otherwise, we look like silhouettes. <laughs> and that's so surreal. You're now on the reality TV show of all reality TV shows with the queen that you first saw do a drag show. Yeah. Did she know that? That, you, that she was the first? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I, and, and she's like, I was like, this is, I, I'm pretty sure it was you. This is the song you were doing. This is what you were yeah. wearing. She's like, oh my God, that was like six years ago. Ah. I was like, yeah. She's like, oh my God. And then she yeah. was the queen that um, then came and comforted you. Like when you were about to go and do your lip sync, like, we, you know, we all know that moment. We yeah. know what that's like. Um, and so she was the one that came up and kind of told you that everything would be all right just to give it your all, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and that definitely helped because it's one of those things that you work so hard and you put in so much effort mm. in such a short amount of time to get everything ready to get there. And then, and then it kind of like hits you like, okay, someone's going home today. And then like it hits you like, okay, I could be going home today. And so it's just one of those things that like, no. <laughs> Like I don't want to. I mean, you you are yeah. our first eliminated queen, but I mean, you you joining the ranks of some really prestigious people. I mean, you are forever a Rue girl. You are you know you're going to join. It, it doesn't matter what place you come in the show because it basically is just giving your platform and in your case to show your black excellence. And I think you really did that. And the the small amount of time that we got to see you, you really educated in a very succinct point why it's important for everyone to know. You know that our land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, yeah. Is there something else that you would like to tell people who are maybe listening to this in another country uh, about the importance of your story and of your people? And, and, and like you have such a beautiful culture and it has so many um, you know, elements and facets to it, um, but there also is a very difficult part of it that is another story that does need to be told as well. And I guess you're kind to, trying to lift both of those elements up, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and my story isn't very it's it's not very singular. It's it's one of those stories that's that's heard throughout the world. You've got um Canada's First Nation people, America's First Nation people. Like it's a it's a universal story and it's a universal message that, you know, First Nation people should be admired like well not admired, but like respected and oh, absolutely and appreciated. Culture is one of those things that like we don't have much of it left, so it's important to hold on what we do have mm -hmm. and to uplift and and give it the level of importance that I think it deserves. Absolutely. Um, being part of the oldest living culture in the entire world is just one of those things that's like 60,000 years of, of history, um, and we don't have much of it left. And, and the important thing is, you know, trying to uplift that and share that message that, like, you know, we are here that we all have our stories and, and it's something that we should be uplifted for and not torn down for. Yeah, and what an honour for you to share that with us and I think that's really important for people to understand this story. Um, I wanted to say to you, like, obviously, you know, it was short but sweet, but, man, you had some cracker one-liners. Oh, my God, that was so good. And I feel like any of our American um, listeners and viewers who are maybe listening to this podcast, let, let's explain to them. So one of my favourites was um, Tighter Than a Fish's Hole, which is just so Australian. So would you like to explain what that means to anyone who was like, what the hell? I know you said, and that's tight, but, like, if you could explain it for yeah. us. <laughs> No, like the saying tighter than a fish is because it's water tight, ain't nothing getting through it. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. It's just one of those things that I've always heard growing up and it just came out 
There was a few of them. There's one that I'm glad they didn't show that I kept saying so much. I'm like, all right, let's f- this pig. Um, <laughs> like, let's do this. Get this done. Um, <laughs> yeah, because kind of we also very- had I'm not here to f- spiders, which is what Art Simone said when she walked in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just- and, and Aussie, Aussie one-liners, there's so many of them and they're just, they're stupid. They're absolutely filthy most of the time, but they're just fucking hilarious. They're just so good. I was just, I was so yeah. impressed and I was like, wow, you got so many things in, in your time on camera. You got one-liners, yeah. you got education, you got, you know, brilliant drag. You looked incredible. And also, also too, one thing I wanted to ask you about, when you showed your necklace in your final runway look, Am I right in saying that the colours of the ab- Aboriginal flag were in that necklace too? I saw a photo of you wearing s- oh, details. Yeah. This is what, what I mean. mean. Stones were a combination of black, yellow, red, and some white accented stone or clear stones to kind of break it up. But yeah, and and that was one of the things. The important thing was like to move the the colour of colonisation mm-hmm. and let uh, Indigenous culture and First Nation culture sparkle yep. and have the the, the forefront. Um, representation of dessert. That's so like important. Every, every, yeah. That symbolism like, was, was a, just beautiful. I knew there was a little bit more to it and I wanted to ask you about that. I think that's really symbolic. Finally, before I let you go, um, I know a lot of the drag queens, you know, towards the pointy end of the competition often get to give themselves some advice to their younger selves. So let's just pretend we're on the main stage and Mama Roo has said to you, you know, Jojo, what advice would you give to little John? And I'm holding up a picture of you. <laughs> Um, come out. Yeah. Don't wait so long. Don't wait till you're 23. Just do it. Rip the bandaid off. Everyone knows. No one cares. Yeah. Like, I know it's going to be, it's going to take you a long time before you accept yourself, but the quicker you do it, the better you'll be. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. And one more bonus question. I loved yeah. you. I loved your stick on eyebrows. They were so great. <laughs> <laughs> do they have names? Um, so, Bill and Ben. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Listen, Jojo Zaho, you were just an absolute honour and a privilege and incredible to watch on our TV screens. Um, this series is going to is going to take the world by storm and I hope you're ready to be an international household name because, sister, you sure are. You were the first Indigenous Australian on RuPaul's Drag Race and you certainly will not be the last. And so thank you for paving the way for everyone to come after you. No, my absolute pleasure. I'm so happy I got to do it. So sitting at home, we're all experts on how good a drag queen's makeup is, probably with absolutely no experience, but we're going to do this. Each week, there's always a standout when it comes to makeup artistry, so I'll be handing out the Beat of the Week award to the best painted queen. Let's get into it. Beat of the Week. This week, all of the queens put their best heel forward when it came to their looks, but one queen stood out in particular, and that is Art Simone. She truly gave us some incredible makeup looks this week, from her entry look to her two-way born naked look, and then that chic hometown beat. Incredible. Now, if you follow her on social media, you'll know that this is what she's really good at, so I'm sure there's plenty more of that to come. So congratulations, Art Simone. You are my beat of the week. Ah, yes, welcome to the part of the podcast where we hear from the mother of all drag queens herself, RuPaul. Many of us live by RuPaul's knowledge, and so each episode I'm going to serve you up some more holiness from Mama Ru. This week's quote is, don't let the weight of the world flatten your weave. I feel like that one speaks to all of us. And that is the word of Ru. 
Well, that's it for episode one. I hope you enjoyed recapping the first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at just underscore hill where my DMs are always open. Tell me what you want to hear more about, what you're loving about the show and who you hope wins. I'll see you next Sunday and don't forget you can watch a new episode of the Stan original series RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under every Saturday only on Stan. Stan.